made it this far. We're here. We are here. CJ here, and this is The Sound of Black and Brown. It's our new series, What Should White People Do? Now bear with us as we figure out the dates and times, and actually don't count on it being consistent because this is grassroots organizing. So it's based on the needs and wants of the people. So the ebbs and flow is our ebb and flow. So we plan to keep this series going, What Should White People Do? Because it is very, very important. It's a conversation between black and brown people and white people. And we're not always going to agree, but that's where you get some of your best solutions because you might bring up something or I might bring up something. Collectively, we could come to a solution here. So we're waiting for folks to jump on. And so as they all got involved, I just want to recap where we're at with all of this, right? So earlier this week, you know, our young soldier in the fight, uh, Mr. Manny Camacho, he shared some stuff that he's been saying repeatedly, and I genuinely hope you all are hearing him. Don't just listen, hear him, okay? Bear in mind that our young soldier is part of that generation we often neglect, meaning that aside from being a generation filled with households with trauma, you know, everything from single parent, immigration issues, you know, uh, mass incarceration, dealing with the police, tenant rights issue, affordable housing, houselessness, homelessness, joblessness, job insecurity, food insecurity, right? These are the folks, the young people who had to deal with that, right? So while so many got consumed by the system, they got kind of lost in there. And then let's add COVID onto that, right? So it's really important that we take note. And some of this is not for those with thin skin. So I'm going to warn you right now, the contents of this show might be a little too much for you. That's a personal problem. It's not ours. Not trying to offend anybody. But if you don't want to confront your whiteness and if you're quite comfortable with your privilege, that's not my fault. That's not Manny's fault. That's not our fault. Okay. We need you to sit there and realize we cannot keep doing things the white way, right? In the white way for the white reasons. The time is now when we have to say, okay, all right, it's been how many years and we're still in chains? Let's face the facts. When we do this, we do not do it without risk, right? There's always the backlash. They'll come for you. Gaslighting and gatekeeping is very, very real. And it is one of the key components to maintaining alleged democracy. I didn't say that to give a shout out to the Republicans. Never that. Please don't get twisted. Keep your hair and, you know, sit there. I'm just that, you know, we are at a time in history where we have to accept. And especially with white people, you know, you can't keep doing the white things the white way and accept it. But you see, also as black and brown people, we have to take back our space because you see, unfortunately, we became too comfortable right? And this is from years and years of oppression. Like I said, they use food, they use jobs, they use utilities, all these different chains, they use the jails, any and everything, education to keep us down. Why do you think those schools look like prisons? Hmm? Now, I'm still waiting for one more person to join us as he sorts himself out. But we do have Manny Camacho here, and we also have Amy. And I just want to take a second to, for them to come forward and, you know, say a little something about themselves as we get started. Manny, starting with you, give us a little intro. 
Yeah, thank you once again for having me. It's always, always such great appreciation. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Manuel Camacho. Um, I am I have many titles, but uh, I just always say I am an advocate for bettering the world. Um, I've been doing this work since I was 12 years old. Um, and I am now 18, um, and I have tackled every issue you can think of, from climate change to police brutality to economic disparities, education disparities, gun violence, just everything you can name. <laughs> um, yeah, oh, I, I think that covers me. Nice. I think he kind of left out some big parts there. Let, let me just add in some pieces. Manny's a true freedom fighter. It's in him. And what we need to do, um, we really need to empower, protect, and support our young people. We're not doing a good job of that right now. Instead, we're telling them everything they should not be hearing, and we're making it harder for them to succeed because we're putting barriers up there before they even exist right? If we want them to take the torch from us, if we want to pass the baton, if we want them to move forward, then what we have to do is two things. First of all, some of us, and we should always be learning, but some of us really have to address ourselves and all of us have to learn. This shit, I'm still learning. All right. You don't know everything. Cut it the fuck out. Right. So we're still in the midst of introductions. Amy, take the mic and introduce. Hey, uh, so I'm Amy. Um, I run Middletown Anti-Racism, um, a public Facebook group. Um, and I don't know what else to say about myself. I don't like talking about myself. Um, yeah, I'm just actively anti-racist, always working on myself, my circle. Cut it out. All right, I'll jump in now. So stop it. This chick right here, don't, don't, y'all ignore her. She just, Amy, stop it. Amy, Manny over there cracking up. Amy is a white woman who has no problem calling out other white people. Let's just start with that. All right. That's a big fucking deal on our side of the woods. All right. Amy has two pages that she manages. Uh, what is it? The Middletown one and no hate. You'd know it better, but I'm going to hand it back over to you now, Amy. Listen, this is not AA. No offense to anybody in AA. All right. We love that people go there, but could we actually have some life? I know it's Friday. I know you're tired. You know, we're going to get to January 6th. Don't worry. We're going to get there, but let's try to Um. Yeah. <laughs> it's so hard. I'm glad I was muted. Um, I do that. I, I, run um, Middletown anti-racism um, and two of the things that I try to do are um, draw attention to issues that are happening in my community um, that are impacting black people um, especially things that are um, very noticeably racist um, and things that Dems aren't speaking up about um, our police department is one of them um, the fact that we're 20% um, Black, 36% um, BIPOC, and I believe it's 5% of our 
elected officials, sorry, our, our town officials are black, um, or sorry, are BIPOC. It's just like ridiculously low numbers. Um, so yeah, so I work on making change, being the change that I wish to see. Oh, that was such a cute, you know, I was going to come for you, right? Oh, you're so cute. Oh, now go put a daisy on your profile picture. You're so cute. Oh, I think let I me tell you, y'all, y'all don't quote. get it. Huh? I think that's a Gandhi quote. That's not my quote. <laughs> it is. It is. Uh, but it was so cute. You're so adorable. I mean that in a great way. No, she's a hell of an ally. And this is what we need. We don't need white people clapping and singing and taking up our space, right? Let's cut that shit out. We need white people to understand, give up your power and your privilege and what that means. Give up your place. Just because you're in front doesn't mean it works well. Everybody take a minute now and stare at the state of Connecticut when I say that. All right? <laughs> Just take a minute to stare at them real quick. All right. We also have with us Jamar. Talk to the people, Jamar. Tell them about yourself a little bit. Um, hi, can you guys hear me? Yes. Oh, perfect. Sorry. Stretching. Hi, I'm Jamar Jabari. Um, from Connecticut, New Haven, currently, but originally from Bridgeport. Um, I've organized a lot with uh, the PSL in the past. Um, currently, I'm by myself because I have been taking the lead for mental health issues and all these other kinds of life challenges, but been using my podcast, Jabari Block Podcast, as a kind of a home to just talk about ideas of, of uh, fighting capitalism and supporting the power of the people and supporting working class people, unions and anti-police brutality, and also fighting um, all, all different types of words, foreign policy, um, speaking up for people overseas, um, the working class overseas, um, talking about issues like what's happening in Niger, um, just all around um, advocacy for working class people here and abroad, especially for the LGBTQ and Black, Black culture, um, Indigenous culture, um, everything under the sun. So I'm very happy to be a part of this uh, conversation. And finally, I'm able to make it. I know we've been trying to get me on here for about some some days now, CJ. Five years. We've been trying to get you here for five years. I'm going to just be extra to be extra because it's Friday. <laughs> You're about to get yelled at too. I don't know what is going on with you all today. Listen, let me reintroduce you. Let me let, let me be like Jay-Z. Allow me to reintroduce you. <laughs> Why are you downplaying yourself, Jabbar? First of all, this brother right here has been on the ground, not just behind a computer. Let me make that real clear. You could be behind a computer, click and comment, but until you get in there, you get in there. I've stood there with him at the protest line. I've watched him go out there and inform people of their rights. This this black man, you know, I'm sorry I didn't, specify you know how you like to identify so any apologies in advance for that but the point i'm trying to make very badly is you know the point is here we have someone who has been in the struggle in his skin he can't take that off 
Manny and I spoke about that. When we go out into the movement, we go out in our skin. You can't unzip it. You can't undo it. You just got to go and be. And that's important, especially what we're about to talk about. So now, without further ado, all right. Oh, boy. Amy, girl, sister, sweetheart. All right. <laughs> you're, you're, <laughs> she's like, mm. <laughs> now, if me, Jamar, and Manny got in a car, not like the big bus that left out of Stamford, Connecticut, filled with Republicans that went down to the Capitol for January 6th, I have a funny feeling there would have been a very different outcome. In your mind, can you talk to us about January 6th a bit? Like, what were you doing that day? Give us a broad idea. And how did you feel about yeah, um, that was insane. Um, I So I was actually watching it unfold. I was home and I was watching TV um, and I wanted to watch the, um, you know, I'm a nerd like that. I, I wanted to watch the proceeding. And um, as it started unfolding, it was surreal. It was like, is this really happening? And then there was that immediate anger, like, um, surprise you know um and being white this is something that i was actually learning about this weekend um how annoying it is for y'all when um when white women act surprised at something um but yeah i was i i just like couldn't fathom what i was seeing um and you know it was super clear there were the trump flags there were um the uh southern flags those rebel flags or whatever that the losing side was and um all the violence and then um as a former congressional aide i reached out to some people i know because i wasn't sure if what i if it was only happening in the capital or if it was also happening because there's tunnels everywhere right if this was also happening in the office buildings in the um rayburn and um, I forgot what the name of the other one is, but so I started reaching out to people and someone told me that my former boss was actually trapped on the floor. Um, and uh, yeah, it just seemed completely insane. What really struck me was the fact that nobody was stopping them. Um, there was, you know, it, it was just like super clear that there was not going to be any kind of response that they were going to be allowed to throw this major violent white supremacy temper tantrum in our capital without re repercussions and um there you know it was like super clear because then they did the what did they do um what's it called a when you can't be out after a certain time um and they a curfew they were oh thank you so they were setting a curfew and it's like a fucking curfew. These people just raided the fucking capital to stop the transfer of power. And you're allowing them to just hang out there. Um, then I remember hearing about the bombs that were found um, and how, um, you know, we still don't have any idea, quote unquote, who um, who did that. Uh, yeah. And I, I just like immediately started watching um the footage to see if I recognized anyone because I'm like we have some crazy fuckers in Connecticut that are so right-wing and they were I, I could tell um 
I, I just, I, I was looking for Connecticut peeps or Connecticut um, residents that were, that were there in the crowd. Um, yeah, it was pretty insane. So Black and Brown United in action got it on very good source, <laughs> actually from someone who literally knows people who went, that there was in fact not a two-door coupe, not a scooter, not a bicycle, not a grocery cart, but a city bus, not a school bus, a city bus size bus that left out of Stanford, Connecticut. And this was not a bus where there were people from other states or anything. This was only Connecticut. And you all need to inhale that for a second. And not forget, this state was a red state for a long time. I said this yesterday. We have Republicans right here in Connecticut sitting in some really high spaces. They're prescribing medicines. They're representing people in court. They're making decisions about the law. They are police officers and all of that that's associated and they're in corrections, right? I could go on. They're even a nonprofit, believe it or not. Ooh, that's a shocker. Jamar, what about you? January 6th, what were you doing and what? Um, well, I was at work, um, you know, at the at the Yale Hospital Plantation doing my um, job, um, and a co-worker of mine, he was just jokingly saying, yo, I think white people are really mad, and they about to take over the country, and I'm like, what you mean? They already took over the country, my brother, like, my indigenous ancestors, they... They in reservations and all this shit. What are you talking about? And he's like, no, no, no. They at the Capitol right now, storming the Capitol. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? You are lying. <laughs> I did not take him seriously. And he pulls out his phone, shows me video of these motherfuckers literally taking, have these makeshift ladders and all this stuff, trying to like literally like get up into the Capitol building. Um, and I'm just like in awe because first thing first is I have already seen how the security and everything goes in DC. It's not my first rodeo with going to DC with, with thousands of people to march for action, whether it be for a foreign policy reason or for Black Lives Matter. So I'm like, how in the hell they got there so close and literally in the Capitol, we have never, no matter what actions we have done in DC, I've never gotten that close. <laughs> so that's one thing that struck me. I'm like, how are they able to get there so close? And then the other thing is just like throughout the days, hearing the stories of what going on, um, I was just literally in shock that this actually happened. Um, but then I had to remind myself that, no, 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 no. Why am I in shock? This is the culture of America where angry white people, they have the ability to do these things. They are able to commandeer buildings. We have heard stories of that with militias armed to the T. And the police literally negotiates with them. Um, these, this is the type of... Uh, uh, this is the type of privilege that they are able to practice. And, you know, what really upsets me is the defending that I have seen from left and right 
on oh these people weren't that violent these people weren't this these people were were protesting blah 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 at the end of the day me being black and my black and brown brothers and sisters we would never even had a chance to uh even do what they did and also the fact of the matter is that what really upsets me is how they try to compare the few riots that went on during the black lives matter um mass protests that happened with george floyd 2020 saying well they were burning down buildings and all this stuff and they make it sound like everyone was doing that and i'm on martin luther king level when he says that riots are the voice of the voiceless but it wasn't like we were all doing that for them to use that as saying that everybody was doing that there was 90 percent of peaceful rallies with black lives matter and there was only the city like where what happened to george floyd there was a riot and there was a few other cities that's it compared to the whole country so this is literally just showing the division and white supremacy and fascism that is grising once again this country you know we see it in the supreme court and every everywhere but i'm gonna shut up i don't want to talk too much <laughs> now see could y'all tell that me and jamar are friends yet didn't i tell you all this two-party shit is bullshit you have the republican party that you know it gave birth and life to the democratic party and you have dems who really should just come out and say oh by the way i'm republican that bipartisan shit is shit why go make a machine that is failing the people the people most impacted because guess who benefits from that something else that was said if jamar and i went down there we can't even sneeze near the capitol so how the fuck did they get inside and manny and i spoke about this yesterday with three-fifths obviously obviously something else is going on now here's the thing about white people going back again it's not just the privilege it's the power and the place they don't want to give it up that's when you know somebody's struggling with their whiteness look how many white people we have that like he said you know they were they didn't miss a beat to try to criminalize right the police brutality protest right that was criminal guess the fuck what the black and brown people were peaceful guess who the fuck shows up and decides they want to throw smoke bombs and shit i told you all i've had a personal experience i watched miss barbara fair be the outcome of that kind of bullshit a bunch of white people decide they want to act the fuck up and they throw smoke bombs and guess who gets slapped around by the police the black woman get the fuck out of here so when you see white people showing up to our shit where we're peacefully protesting and they're doing stuff like that white people i need you not just to stand here and stare at each other stop it stop it and guess here's something else a little other piece of advice i'm gonna give you get to learn know your rights learn how to marshal an event your place in an event especially one that is predominantly black and brown see y'all there's discipline to this shit right make no mistake you have to be disciplined everybody has their purpose and their point and some people have their capacity and their capabilities, right? You have to recognize the room, see where the youth are, make sure they're protected, protect your black and brown women, protect your black and brown men, because they are the defense. What the white people need to do, they need to be able to interact with the police and buffer that shit. Don't let us get arrested. 
Don't do that. But also don't do that bullshit where you get arrested, taking selfie. Get the fuck out of here with that. Get the fuck out of here. Come on now. When are y'all going to stop that shit? Like he said, this, and you're hearing it from an immigrant. I don't know. I'm a black immigrant, so I might have a lot of shit to talk. But it's facts, though. This country, you know, everything has to be like a celebrity. You all sit there and spend money you don't have going broke behind these celebrities, and they don't give a flying fuck about you. They're living just fine. You fighting up with UI and trying to keep your lights on, and they're talking about, oh, well, I'm not trending. I'm not following this one. Get the fuck out of here with that. I said it before, and please, Bayhive, don't come for me. I feel like with all these celebrities, especially the black and brown ones, instead of throwing all these concerts where you charge people, why not do benefits where you help people? There's so many people here who are underemployed. We talk about unemployment. This is going to be another episode because it has to be. Because you all need to understand the math. There's math behind this shit. We're more than a budget line, right? And we need to make sure, especially in 2024, right? From the streets to the legislative office to the ballot, get the fuck up and stand up. We have one more. Without further ado, Manny. Now, I want to give backdrop here. I want everybody to pay attention now. Seriously, this is the youth, one of many. They're watching. They grew up in broken homes. You talk about your stress and how you pissed off. What do you think they're going through? And then most of them had to spend a good chunk of their education in quarantine. Well, what's that? That's like mock solitary confinement. They have a voice too. Manny, can you share on January 6th? How'd you feel? Yeah. Um, so as I mentioned uh, in our previous episode, when we were talking about January 6th. Um, everyone who knows me knows that I'm into politics. Politics is what I do. It's what I've done for the years that I've been doing this work. Um, and so, you know, um, I was very, very involved in the presidential election. Um, you know, getting, going out there on the streets and getting people registered to vote, having those conversations, you know, just, I, I was there through the process. And so when then President Trump, you know, began starting out with his stuff and, you know, uh, challenge, challenging the uh, results and, you know, if they were official and valid and all that. Then came that they were going to certify the results, certify the election in Congress. And to me, that was a moment um, that I, I wanted to be a part of. So I found out it was going to be televised, and that was that was going to be what I was going to do. Uh, so I remember sitting here in my room. I was watching TV, and I was watching the news, um, and I was watching the certification of the votes. I was watching the session. Um, and I'm, you know, I think I was watching it for maybe 30, 35 minutes before I started seeing the um, members of Congress start to get up from their seats. And, you know, I was like, okay, this is odd. You know, I, I started to see them and some of them look a little panicky. And, you know, I, I see people looking around the room and stuff. Okay, so something's up, you know. Um, 
and then that's when I see the headline come across the bottom of the screen. You know, breaking news. Uh, the writing as a capital, and I don't think anything could have prepared me for that transition from the cameras inside the room of the legislative session to the outside view of what was going on outside the Capitol. And when that transition happened, and I saw all these people scaling the walls, beating officers senseless, and completely militarized uniforms and I mean you know they had, they had tactical vests on and they were throwing smoke bombs and tear gas and they had gas masks on um you know carrying around flags you know american flags and and then the breaking of the windows and i remember seeing the windows of capitol hill being broken into and um you know, I, I've never made it a secret that despite the many issues that are here in this country, despite a lot of the oppression that we as black and brown people face uh, in this nation, I, I have always carried a sense of pride in the United States. Uh, it's a country I wish to serve. It's a country I, I'm willing to fight for, that I have fought for. You know, in regards to making it better and more equal, I, I definitely take pride in being an American citizen and being in the United States. And so to me, seeing Capitol Hill, a building that is a representation of the center of our democracy, it's where Congress gathers, it's where crucial decisions are made, it, 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 it is literally the center of democracy. I mean, yeah, you have the White House, you have the president in that shore, but Capitol Hill, state capitol. That's, that, to me, is, is one of the most sacred buildings here. And so to see it being demolished, to see the windows being broken into, all these people pouring in, causing damage, and treating it as if it was nothing right and the fact is what the purpose was that they had was to ransack the capital in order to disrupt the process of democracy to disrupt the certification of, of, of an election right the passing on the position to another person is it's a it's what we've done since the beginning of, of you know, I mean 17. Uh, 89, right? When, when George Washington declared it so. It was a horrific day for me. I, I was angry. I, I was conflicted. Um, sad. I was genuinely sad to see this happening because to believe that these were people in our own country I mean, it, it's like it, it, it's like a terrorist attack to me. But the fact is, they weren't terrorists because they're not, you know, by the definition of terrorists, you have to be from a, a different country, right? So there's domestic terrorism that, that I'm witnessing. And people who are so called patriots, right? That's what they pride themselves on calling themselves 
patriots and they're all for America and they're all for the country. But you're stopping and you're breaking into this building. <laughs> right. And, and so, yeah, I was furious. I was sad. I was conflicted. And to me, to me, it, it will always be one of the darkest times in modern history. And it's a day I will never forget. I'm telling you, I was um, headed down to a call to action. It was Three Kings Day, I believe. If I'm not mistaken. Don't come for me if I can't remember. I'm old. I told you all. Look at the picture of the Last Supper back left. You'll see me there. But the point is, I was headed to a call to action. I was driving down the 91 North, and it would have been exit 12. It started. And at the time, I had fuck Trump on one of my windows, right? I have no shame in that. In fact, I was so proud of it, I'll literally wash my car so the, the paint is fresh. I'll always redo it, right? So it's nice and fresh and compact. You had to keep it nice and neat. And the first driver came from like around exit 12, and he tried to push me off. And then a little after 13, the second one. So now it's me and these two white guys, and they're, they're looking at me. You can see the anger in their face, like they're pissed. How dare you? Out of nowhere, because like I said before, this is the moment I think about my my children, my family, and I'm looking at them, looking at me, and I'm looking at the road. And at the same time, I'm getting calls in about what I would eventually find out is happening. One person, she's on the phone, she's panicking, she's all of this, but I don't know what's going on at the Capitol. I'm trying to like, um, yes, they come, all of that with her, while trying to drive, while all of this is happening. And then out of nowhere, seriously, when I, I said to Allah, Allah, if, it's, if this is it, Ras, <laughs> Rastafari, take me, you know, I'm at peace. It have very little these people could do to me again. I've lived that type of life. Just let my, my, my children know, you know, I love them. That was it. And then out of nowhere, like a miracle, five white people just show up out of nowhere and the intercept and they would follow me all the way up to exit 29. Okay. I would never forget them for that. I shout them out wherever they are. I appreciate you. I know we spoke, we speak a lot about white supremacy, but that doesn't mean that they're not good white people and surprise, surprise, just like it doesn't mean there's not good black and brown people. Cause we are good. We are. And we didn't do that. Now, starting with you, Jamar, in your opinion, and feel free to babble, man. That's, this is a safe space, cuss, say how you feel. You first, in your opinion, what should white people have done then, and what can they do now since January 6th? Um, I think, honestly, Good question. Um, I think, honestly, that what they should have done was denounce white supremacy. Um, there should have been a mass movement. And if there were, I'm sorry I missed it, but I didn't get the feeling at all. The feeling that I got was, oh, this is all because of one guy. And look, I don't got no love for the for the orange motherfucker at all. No love for him. But let's just be seriously serious about this. 
people are taking rage for the country and putting it on one person. One person. This is what white liberals are using as an excuse. And I have to get on the white liberal side real quick. Because I love people that identify as liberal. Um, I have a lot of friends that identify as liberal. I'm a socialist, so just let people know there's a difference. But what we cannot do is let there be one boogeyman. Because there isn't one boogeyman. There's a whole squad of boogeyman. There's a whole squad, and they're called oligarchs that we have here in this country. The Elon Musk, the 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 um, Mark Zuckerbergs, um, the Jeff Bezos. Those are the famous ones, you know. What about the Rothschilds? You know, what about, um, I can't think of uh, Cooper's uh, family name. There's a lot of them. Um, and it's a big club, but y'all not in it. And white people, I need them to fully understand, because they, they are majority of the country. They hold the power. White, white power is what the white supremacists want, but what white people have all together without noticing is privilege. And they hold the privilege and the power, and they have to call out the, the system itself, because it's the system itself that enabled a Donald Trump. It's the system itself that enabled a president like Biden that has been in Washington since, or like before my parents were even born. My parents were born in the 70s. He was already in Washington in the 70s. So it's the system that curates these, 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 these oligarchs and these politicians and people like Trump to be in power. So the outrage should be at the system and not at Trump only, but at the system and Trump, both of them. He's a symptom of the system. And once the, the ruling white class, I feel, gets full, get put uncomfortable, understanding that they are part of the problem too, we can't have a full change. And we have to, we have to, as black and brown people, you know, we have to mobilize ourselves, but we got to send that message out for the white working class as well, too, um, because we cannot be free if not all workers are free. Um, so that's one thing I, I want. I want white people to fully understand, especially on the liberal side and on the right wing side. You know, there's a lot of people on the right that don't like Trump as well. And I feel like they could be reached. Um, I feel like the working class as a whole could be reached. Not everybody chooses a side and sticks with it. People change. People are evolving 24-7. And it's on us to have these conversations. <sighs> I think you're right on point. But I'm the mean one. You know, they said I'm an angry black woman. And I said, you're fucking right. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot to be mad about. You know, shout out to my friend Rhonda C for that phrase, because it's true. And we as black and brown people, don't let them talk you down out of your emotions, because you and I both know, if me, Manny, and Jamar ran up to the Capitol, we wouldn't have made it past, what, the stop sign. They would have shot us the fuck up, right? Now, I'm looking at you, Manny. What's your response to that? What should they have done then, and what could... Um, right, I, I agree with what 
Jamar said, you know, there there should have been this uh, mass scale um, movement of denouncing white supremacy uh, by by white Americans. You know, uh, it shouldn't have been that we as a black and brown community, you know, say, like, you know, emphasize, look, look what happened, right? Look at all these white people. Look what they did to the Capitol. Hello, blatant, you know, uh, demonstration of white supremacy, right? I mean, here we are. We, we say it and we say, look at all these different things that they do. But look at this huge <laughs> example of it, right? I mean, it happened in front of all of our faces, right? And so, yeah, we could emphasize it, and we've been emphasizing it, but, I mean, come on. It, it, like I said, everyone saw it. Everyone saw it. Everyone saw what happened that day. And so the least the least that they could have done right white people is say okay yeah we saw it too right we saw the same thing everyone else did that is white supremacy that is extremism right that that is wrong you know not say yes yeah, wrong but they could have done worse no no <laughs> And that's what a lot of them, you know, have been saying is like, okay, yeah, they did it wrong, but this, 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 this. no, there's no buts. There, there's no, however, there's no yet. No, you have to call it for what it is. What they did, what forget just wrong. It's criminal, you know, right? No, perhaps nothing. It's call it for what it is. I mean, it, it was insurrection. It was domestic terrorism. It, it, it's everything wrong that you could do on that level. And there shouldn't be any justifications that is being provided. So, yeah, the, you know, there should have been a, a denouncement, right, of what they did, calling, you know, calling it for what it is, white supremacy, privilege, you know, insurrection, domestic terrorism, like, Call it for what it is instead of trying to find justification. And I also agree. I also agree, you know, on another thing that Jamar said, right, is we can't just pin it on one person. I have no love at all for Donald Trump. <laughs> I don't. Not at all. But exactly like Jamar said, you can't say that of all, you know, all those people <laughs> doing what they did, let's just pin the sole blame on this one man. Yeah, he might have influenced it. Yeah, he might, you know, like really pushed it and, and fueled them up and all these different things. Okay. But at the end of the day, like we all saw, it was they themselves who are breaking in to the Capitol. They themselves who are committing the crimes. And of course, he, I mean, he just got to go back to the White House, sit back in a chair and relax and watch it on TV as we found out he did, right? So, yeah, he's complicit. He's complying with it. You know, okay, that's fine. But for us to just say, 
you know, it's his soul fall and he's the only one that should be held accountable and say, no, right? Because because that's just that's just not how it works. So, yes, you know, we can blame him for, you know, adding fuel to the fire and, and for doing all that stuff. But at the end of the day, the one, I mean, we have to hold the ones who are accountable, who are breaking windows and beating up police officers and, and breaking into Congress, you know, people, uh, Congressperson's office, you know, offices and stuff. Uh, we have to hold those people accountable, right? In exactly the same way. So I agree with Jamar saying, you know, like, there can't just be one boogeyman, right? We can't just use Donald Trump as, as the scapegoat for all the things that went wrong on January 6th. Um, you know, there's so many other people to be held accountable. Um, but yeah, white, there definitely should have been a widespread denouncement of what those people did on January 6th. Um, but then further from that, right, um, what could have white people done after, you know, denouncing white supremacy and everything that happened um, is, again, uh, being aware that January 6th was a culmination of so many smaller uh, events and circumstances and demonstrations that all these right-wing extremists had done throughout the you know the years of the administration, right? Charlottesville, we had what happened you know in a lot of the southern states, you know, even some up here in the north. Right, there was a lot of lot of demonstrations that these white extremists conducted over the years. So, yeah, January sixth was this huge event that happened. But I need other people to be aware that January sixth was a culmination of a lot of things, and so they, you know, what what I ask is that they need to be not only one more aware that these are happening, you know, these types of things are happening in everyday cities, right, in everyday environments, communities, on some form, some level, right? Uh, but two, that you, you as an individual, with the privilege that you have simply by having fairer skin, right, and all the privilege that comes with that, you have the opportunity to actually do things to mitigate, right? To mitigate the frequency of these demonstrations, of these things, so that we don't have another culmination, right? So that we don't have another January 6th. So, I mean, that's, that's really my act, is being aware and knowing that with your fair skin comes privilege and with that privilege there are things you can do to help combat and offset the frequency that these things happen i tell you this kid is before his time we told you all that last night this is why we have to protect them support them and empowerment you got to do it you have to do it you heard what he said we didn't tell him to say that. Nobody sat here and practiced. We didn't do any of that. We came on here. Everybody 
sharing their free thought. The fact of the matter is, if the three of us rolled up in that shit, we might be here today, right? And the truth is, you know, the biggest boogeyman of all is white supremacy, because that's where it all stems. And out of that, you have all its little children from the people who sit in high positions where they have position, place, and privilege to make decisions. They could be lawmakers. They could be in the medical field. They could be in education. They could be in law enforcement. They could even be into climate change. They could even be in the movement. But instead of thinking of all of us, they think of themselves and they push for that. I myself, I don't think there will be a day while I'm on this earth or beyond that, that I will ever be supportive of the Republican Party, right? I I don't believe in bipartisanship. I think it's shit. And I think that this country needs to really put the democracy in democracy. There's no reason why. I mean, what bigger form of slavery than to only have a two-party system? Amy, you know the question. What should they have done then? And what should they do? What can they do? Yeah, so... Um, number one, it was a terrorist attack. We spend billions and billions of taxpayer dollars in anti-terrorism. And that was probably one of the boldest um, attacks uh, in recent history. And um, nothing was was handled as if it was a terrorist attack. Um, And so... I think just calling it, number one, when people are talking about it, the language matters. When we talk about it, we don't talk about, this was not a riot, this was not a protest, this was a terrorist attack. Um, And so what you can do locally is who locally supports that terrorist attack? Who spreads misinformation? Um, like people that claim that there was no violence, like people that claim that no police officers were harmed, um, people claiming that, um, there, that people weren't armed, um, all of those things are lies. Everybody, um, who had marched from the, uh, president's, the then president's speech to, uh, the Capitol, um, the people who started that part of the march were all all armed. Um, And they had not been allowed in initially to the president's speech because they were armed. Um, And so I think that that's a huge misconception, but our state tried to pass, uh, Senator Bob Duff, who's the the Senate Majority Leader, um, introduced a bill that would keep anyone who had participated in the January 6th terrorist attack from being eligible for office. Um, That was defeated. There were four Republicans that voted against it. I posted their names today. Um, You can probably guess who they are, but one of them being Rob Sampson, um, not the supporter. And um, then I went through the public testimony to see who wrote um, in opposition of that bill and what kind of bullshit they had to say about January 6th and posted that too. Um, there was a kid from Wilton, I think it was, um, one of the W towns, one of the wealthy towns, um, who was involved in 
um, squishing. In fact, that famous photo of the or video of the police officer crying out in pain because he was being crushed by the door. That kid was involved with it. Um, and his father tried desperately to keep him, number one, out of jail. Um, and then a nonprofit um, for, I want to say a children's band, um, orchestra, something like that from that town wrote a letter of support for this kid, wrote a letter of support for a terrorist. And so bringing attention to who in the community is upholding this bullshit and who is not denouncing it. I really think that we have the chance in this election to really push who is supporting this, who refuses to speak out on it, and who refuses to call it white supremacy and, and a terrorist attack. I was so disappointed afterwards when Biden did not use the word terrorist um, or terrorism. Um, I understand he used the word insurrection, but that was also the same word that was often used throughout history about um, black people, enslaved people who gathered together to fight against their enslavement. Um, so uh, I, I just really think that there's a lot more that should and could be done. I wish that there was more of a public discussion about why we spend billions on anti-terrorism dollars and it doesn't seem to be um, used in any way to surveil or um, collect any of the people that were involved in that terrorist act, but even in, in planning terrorist acts since then, um, white supremacy acts of terror since then. And so I think, um, you know, this election, especially in Connecticut, we should be especially, especially um, critical of that. Because I think that's a big indicator, right? I think if a Republican is going to stand there and tell me there was no violence, no police officers were harmed, I don't need to hear another fucking thing out of his mouth because I know exactly what his platform is. Um, if I hear a Democrat say, you know, tiptoe around and, and use very precise language to avoid saying white supremacy, to avoid saying um, that this was an act of terror committed by terrorists, um, then I already know that their, their policy is probably whitewashed, that they will um, choose some token black people to speak on their behalf, um, but that um, they are not going to release the nipple of um, uh, police brutality. They're, you know, still suckling. And um, yeah, so I guess, I guess what I'm hoping is that this will really not be forgotten in this election cycle and will be um, something that is a major factor and used to help decide who should be in office and who should not be. You know, I think you're onto a lot of things there. You know, Amy, <laughs> I'm sitting here and I'm like, hmm, well, would you look at that? Yale never released anything, did they? Huh, that's interesting. So, you know, there's so much that can and should be done. In my opinion, I definitely agree what's been said. I can't press that enough. I thought after seeing how people are nice because it's Friday, uh, we're saying things like terrorism. I'm I, I from Trinidad, man. That was a fucking coup. 
right? All they're throwing smoke bomb and bringing all kind of grenade and, and tank and fuckery. Wow, are you what, NHPD or what? Oh, wait, sorry. That, sorry, talk about the insurrection. That's right. NHPD has reasons to have military equipment. I forgot. that That's a necessary budget item. But the point is, the white supremacy exists on so many levels, right? Because despite this happening, those people who were involved were not only allowed to keep their jobs, they had places to live comfortably, they had food resources, they were well protected, right? Meanwhile, Jamar, Manny, and I, if we sneeze too hard on the job, it's a problem. In fact, when we're successful, that's when we're a real problem. Ooh, they don't like that, right? What they do like to do is shove us out of our space and tell us how to live. Hence the reason why if white people were paying attention, they would have realized, you know what we need to do? We need to change and confront, you know, a lot of our ways. Why do we who do not have lived experience feel like we're best fit to lead movements, projects, nonprofits, grants, make state decisions, be at that table, every single city, state, and local table. But we're nice and white privileged. We have a nice roof. Our fridge is full. Our children goes to great schools. You know, all our friends are EDs and everything, police officers and stuff like that. What's wrong with that picture? Because if you learned anything, you would have said, you know something, we got to do better here. Look at what the fuck we're doing, Right. That right there which y'all saw, that attempted coup, is a tale as old as slavery. Remember, these people used to walk around with cloaks on and burn shit the fuck down. They're not. They like this. And what we need to do as black and brown people is stop referring and thinking of ourselves as the minority. See, that's what they like you to think. They like that. They benefit from that. Because mentally, you are now below them. You are the majority. That's one word that I wish we could get removed from our language. Seriously, I, I want people to push back on that word. Now, this is an important word because it also is reflected not only in our bill language, but also in our education material. Think about that for a second. It's also a word used to describe committees, agencies, organizations, people, minority. So what do you think happens when you keep reading about yourself being the minority? Every committee you have to join has, and this is the such and such minority. That church has a minority. That book is about a minority. This grant is for minorities. And this bill is about minorities. How did that just sound? That didn't sound too motivating, did it? That's how I feel about that. You know, I think there's a lot of work we have to do here collectively. Definitely the fact that a lot of people need to confront their whiteness. Like I said, I didn't wake up this morning with the ability to tell a police officer, well, you know, I had to run to the hospital. That's why I ran that light. When they see my black ass, I don't even have to run the light to just pull me over. Okay? We don't have that protection, but you do. When you're on the job and you see that your peers or even someone else, they're trying to gang up on that one worker and you know that worker is talented or that one applicant that you were really going for, but they didn't pick them, why? Or you're on that committee and you hear the cries of the people. You hear, you know, let me tell you something. This might shock some people. And no offense, 
but the church people don't represent all the black and brown people. Not all black and brown people go to church. Shit, not everybody goes to church, but that should not be used against them, right? If you're going to run around here using words like diversity and equity and inclusivity and belonging, make it mean something. And I'm going to really piss somebody off now, but I truly don't give a fuck. Just because you are white lesbian or maybe even a white trans person or a white man or a white woman, you could still be toxic. You could fit all those gender identities and be toxic as fuck. All right? Don't, let's not get fooled here. Just because you identify doesn't mean we relate yet. We relate when you actually get in tune with your whiteness and you stop doing the fuck shit. Like thinking that one of you have to lead something for it to be great. That power, that control, that need to oversee, oversee, ah, overseer. Now, I just said a lot there. Before we start to close out, I want to ask this last question. Taking it back locally. Now, Amy just dropped some knowledge, y'all. <laughs> Amy, when when it's your time to shine, you need to tell them where to find it because you all need to do your research. This is another thing in this state. Um, to all those white progressives that uh, Jamar referred to, you people, the liberals, them people, you know, the ones who say, well, I'll just wave this flag around and then I'll get beers and laugh about all the shit we did, the selfies, because they did that good thing. All y'all, plus, you know, the conservatives who clutch their pearls and hold their shirts because they can't do something. The Democrats who sit there and say, well, you know, if we work with the Republicans, shut the fuck up. All right. We don't need you to represent everything. Right. We need to demand that and, you know, really demand that representation. One of the things Black and Brown United in Action is going to push for this legislative session really heavily. And I'm saying it here to invite those and I'm doing it now for a reason. We would love to work collectively on a bill to push forward language access translation sign language, interpretation, whatever is needed. Closed captions so that people could really participate in the legislative process. Because the problem is, that's one of the barriers. We have a lot of chains in Connecticut because I'm telling you, if me, Jamar, and Manny went down to the Capitol, we probably would still be finding jobs right now. We would have been all over the news. And we live in a denial in the state. We act as if the Proud Boys didn't try that foolishness to come here, not just once, but twice. We also act as if they didn't have that big-ass motorcade that spanned from North Haven all the way past Meriden. You hear that distance? I, I mean, I can't make this shit up. And they had their flags, and they were very proud of it. And guess what? The police at that parade didn't try to shoot or beat nobody. They were part of the fucking parade. <laughs> Yo, Connecticut. All right, on a local level. All right, Jamar. What could happen here locally? Talk to us. I mean, I mean, you touched so much on um, the the fact that a lot of a lot of people, you know, that are on the progressive liberal side, uh, you know, a lot of white people that took pictures and you know they they laugh about it at during coffee and brunch, you know, I'm, I'm happy that you were there, but the work does just does not end there. Um, it frustrates me so much greatly when I see so much great work 
And I want to tell them, like, there's so much more you can do. You have the, the, the ability to do it. You know, let's not be honest. I mean, let's be honest that, you know, when it comes to police, police brutality, black people are the loudest voices, but everybody gets murdered by police. Everybody, no matter what color you are. So we all should be standing on solidarity on that straight up, especially people with mental health. Uh, majority of the cases I see um, is someone with mental health, you know? Um, so it's, even just on that standard, we need to be read up, more diligent. We have to see exactly the issues and the biases with this with this country, and we have to call out on it. You know, for instance, going, you know, in Connecticut, when when we see that we have a Ned Lamont, who really rallied with Unite Here, and everything, he needs to always be reminded that you are here because we put you here. We put you here and you need to do more. You need to do so much more. That's what we need to remind them. That's what we need to remind them. We need to remind the Senate, um, the House um, in Connecticut that you are here because we put you here and you need to do more. You need to do more. And the demographics is majority white people. So it's on them and they have to like i need every white person to talk to their uncles sisters brothers when you go at the dinner table somebody say something racist call them out on that shit. um you know like this there's little things you can do we have to build a movement to 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 make this country better um and in, in connecticut there's a lot of great leftists that do a lot of great things, but we get very, very, very into our ideologies of how we became left, and then we attack other leftists. We got to stop that shit. And I could, I don't want to name any names, but I'm just saying we have to stop that. We have to stand in solidarity with one another. If you have something that you're in disagreement with, somebody on the left said, talk to them about it. Don't gossip. <laughs> about it talk to them go to the source um these are things that i have seen embedded within um not even just my culture but people on the left in in, in, in white neighborhoods um you know i've seen this type of mindset and it's a team it's a cult like and we have to break that because the left isn't supposed to be Oh, I only talk to people on the left. The left is supposed to be the guidance, the the educators, the the the, the nuance, the 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 full understanding on how we can change and how we can do better. Not accepting what things are, but how we can do better. You know, we we can be happy about the things that Ned Lamont has done, especially when it comes to abortion rights stuff like that. But also, we should be focusing on the things that he is doing that is not okay. The funding that he is putting towards military uh, industrial complex, all types of issues. We need to be focused on that. And I don't see that focus anymore. Um, I don't really see it. So I, that,
I cannot agree with you more. That, Jamar, that was a mic drop for real because I feel like you hit on something huge that we're going to keep bringing up because we can't change it unless we talk about it. Nobody said that we would all agree, right? Nobody said that. But the key part here is to talk about it, face it, and I want black and brown people to get better at talking their talk because the problem is we're so used to being told, don't talk about that, that we do that to ourselves. So when we start fucking each other up, you know that shit is wrong, but you're going along with it. Why? Why? We're leaders. We're leaders. Speaking of leaders, Manny. Talk. Right. Um, <laughs> here in Connecticut, um, like I said, you know, being in the movement for years that I've been, um, you know, I, I definitely have experienced that gatekeeping, that you know, don't talk about it from people who look like me and you. Um, and, you know, and also, you know, even even from white people as well. But here in Connecticut, um, I like what Jamar said about holding our, you know, elected officials accountable and reminding them that they are only in those positions and those seats of power because we, the people, put them there. Um, and that is something that we should all, that we should all continue to put pressure on them uh, and reminding them that they are there to get done what needs to get done, not for their own interests, not for the interests of other people of power, but things that are in the best interest of the people who put them there, right? That is something we need to continuously remind them. And that goes on a local level, you know, for, for local officials, state officials, and federal officials, right, on all all tiers. Um, so I definitely agree with that, and I echo that. Um, I would also be remiss if I didn't you know, bring awareness and acknowledge that a lot of times people vote for candidates without doing the proper research on the candidate. And that I cannot stress enough could be one of the biggest mistakes you make because you can't, you can't necessarily get mad when the candidate that you cast your vote for does not deliver on some things if you didn't take the time to research them and their ideals and their beliefs before you cast that vote. You know, it's like if you didn't gain all the information you possibly could about that candidate and then voted for them. Right? That's a different story. If you did all that and then you vote for them and they don't start delivering, then okay. You have every right to be mad at them and to hold them accountable. Manny, but, if I could ask you a question, can you just elaborate a bit? Because I think you hit on a big thing there. And I just want you to take a you know minute and just tell folks how to do it. How would you suggest educating yourself in a candidate? Because I think one of the biggest mistakes is that 
too many times somebody has to throw a big event. It shouldn't take that. Because here's the thing, technology came into play, you know, and let's face the facts, you know, you might not want to be walking all day, it might be hot outside, different reasons, mm-hmm. right, that interpersonal connection may not necessarily happen, but how could you research a candidate? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, I know that in this, you know, era of technology, no one, and I'll say no one, but a lot of people aren't necessarily keen on reading and articles and like researching texts and stuff. Absolutely fine. That's okay. <laughs> right. Um, I will tell you how I do my research. Right. Um, you speak to people, right? People know people. That's always, if that's, if that's not a, a more truer statement, I don't know what it is. People know people. And so speak to people. Google, right? Put the put the candidate's name in Google. You'll you'll be surprised what comes up, right? Things from five years ago, ten years ago, fifteen, twenty years ago. You'll be surprised what comes up on Google. Trust me, I have been a number of times, right? I'm surprised at what comes up when you Google some of these people's names. Google, right? Um, social media. Social media is a huge thing. Look them up on social media. They have pages, right? They have profiles. Go on their profiles. Scroll as long as you want to. I mean, scroll back all the way to the career of the profile if you wanted to, right? No harm in doing that. Absolutely. Friends of friends. Look at, you know, their friend list, right? That's also very telling. Who do they have friends on in Facebook, right? Who are they interacting with? What pages do they like? A lot of those things tell you you know, information about the person. We all know social media, whether it's Facebook, whether it's LinkedIn, whether it's Instagram or Twitter, wherever, right? That's also a really good source to gain a better uh, idea of who the person is, right? Um, You can go on YouTube. Maybe there's some type of videos about them, right? Or a podcast maybe they were on three, four, five years ago, you know? Um so there's so many other ways to get information on the candidate, you know, other than like reading articles or reading papers or, you know, just, well, really anything reading <laughs> per se, you know, just a bunch of texts back to back to back, right? Some people are not, they're just not uh, inclined um, to, to gain information that way. So that's why there's so many other ways. Um, and, and like I said, uh, sometimes reading an article isn't necessarily the best way to get information on the person, right? Because you also have to take into account who wrote the article, why was the article written, right? Uh, is there any bias put into the article? Right? You have to take those things into account. So that's why using all these different mediums of gathering information is really, really useful. Listen, this is why I tell you all, when the young people take the mic, pay attention, right? Someone messaged me the other day privately and asked me, how old is that kid? Because (laughs) they hear me me refer to you later and they're like, that's not, he has to be in his like late 20s. You're fucking with me. I was like, no, no. I mean, this kid just, (laughs) like they're in shock. You're before like, like three first told you last night, you're before your time. And this is why, 
you know, for Jamar and Amy last night on the episode, you know, we were having pretty much a very similar discussion as we're having now. We're talking about Marcus Garvey and all of this came up. Can't, you know, <laughs> you have to shout out that man, right? Great, great, great man. And Manny shared that his goal is to be president. But unfortunately, he also has shared that he knows that when that time comes, he will struggle to get support. I know you will. Three fifths and I and so many more have already committed. We go on and help him see that happen, right? Because we have to pass the baton. We have to think about that. We cannot take up. If we talk about taking up space, we got to look at ourselves too, right? So we have to make sure that the young people know it's a space for them to come and have these comfortable conversations. So the fuck what you don't agree with their opinion. It could be you might need to really figure out yours, huh? Might have to have some conversations with self there. Take it from someone who had to learn pronouns. Like, I didn't know what that was. I didn't come from a culture like that. She, ha, who, ha, what's all this? Why are we doing that? Is this yoga? But then, you know, it meant something. So, yes, feel free to laugh at me, Manny. I know you're crying over there. Ha, ha, ha. I'm an old lady, you know? So, <laughs> Amy, it's your time. What do you think? Yeah, so um, I definitely think um, there there are a few things. So it's really dependent on, like, who's running, right? Like, uh, I'll give you an example. Here in Middletown, the Republican candidate that's running for mayor is a former police officer. So I did a FOIA request to the department because I would like to know what kind of complaints had ever been filed throughout his career against him. Um, and I think that those are all super relevant facts to his candidacy, right? Um, I also, because I have questions about some of our Board of Ed, um, I submitted a FOIA request for emails um, over a six month period um, and I wanted all the emails that discussed trans, social justice, and uh, shit, what was the, oh, anti-racism. Um, and for some reason, that one seems to be extra held up. Um, that one I've been trying to get for about six weeks now. Um, hopefully that will come in soon. But those things are gonna give me a much better idea of how the current um, Board of Ed discusses these issues that are important to me as a voter. Um, and, Hold up, Amy, one uh, second. We like you so much, we sure. want to help you out. Can you, um, so you mentioned, it, you know, you drew my attention there to that one request that for some weird, strange reason, maybe they don't have ink in their copy machine, that's probably what it is. Can you let folks know what is a FOIA request? Sure how they could submit it, and what they should submit it for in particular. Yeah, so a FOIA request is, um, it's an acronym, Freedom of Information Act. Um, and you, we, as the public, have access to any public record. Um, and so you can get copies of that. Um, and so what I did was literally Google FOIA request letter Connecticut. And that's what I use, and I downloaded it, and that's what I use as my base. Um, it has some awesome language in it. Um, what I can do actually is post that in um, Middletown Anti-Racism if anyone's looking for you know, a, a template for a FOIA request. But then you ask around, like I had to figure out who to send 
the one for the board of edit had to go through like the clerk's office or something like that. So just making some phone calls to find out who the FOIA request goes to, and then you send it. My understanding is that in the state of Connecticut, they have four days to respond to you. So they usually respond immediately and say, we're working on your FOIA request. Um, but uh, it's really that simple. Um, and sometimes they do charge in the template letter that I use. I ask not to be charged because it's for the better of, of the community to know this information. Um, for, believe it or not, the only FOIA request I've submitted where I've been told I'm gonna be charged is for the candidate, Republican candidate, who is a former police officer. So to see his records, I'm gonna need to pay. But I'm happy to do that. Well, wait, 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 hold up. Here's the one I use. And feel free to borrow if you'd like. I um, allow them to send it to me electronically to save them the expense. Oh, I did. I did actually do that. I did actually do that. And he still said something about a charge. So I'll have to. You just got to um, go back and forth. Like once you're persistent. So okay. this part where she's talking about for the folks who don't know. So a FOIA request, it comes in a particular format, which you should know too. Some towns like your friend, um, Dustin Elliker, he now has in New Haven on the city of New Haven website, they actually have a link that you have to go through now to submit a FOIA request before you would email. So as she mentioned, you may have to call to find out in your location, do I email it to the city? Do I email it to the department? Who am I sending this FOIA request to? So the first part is the two. The second part is the opening language, which basically is saying this is a FOIA request, blah, 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 the formality shit, right? And then you put your bullet points. I personally put bullet points because it's easier to read and you limit your language because you don't want to use language that's too personal. What I mean is you say, you don't say I would like, you just say below is the re records requested, make it real simple. It's like writing a prescription. Records for, yes, very specific dates. So you say records for traffic stop at such and such corner for dates between such and such, like, you know, yesterday to today, however you want to phrase it. You could Google this, and if you're not sure, you could actually email me and I'll be very happy to help you. Amy is going to put it up on her page. And Amy, actually, I want you to go back to that for a second. Can you let folks know how to find you? on? Sure, sure. Um, well, you can look for my name, Amy Lapos, um, or look for Middletown Anti-Racism. Um, that is the public group. And that is where we openly discuss um, racism and shit that's going on. Um, reading materials, I know you're not a huge fan of that, but reading materials for white people to learn how to unpack that shit and where to get started. Um, but yeah, uh, Middletown anti-racism. No, no, I will read, right? I'm not a huge fan when I have to read bullshit that I throw up. But some of this shit could get like real blah, you know what I mean? <laughs> but I do read, I actually do read. But also from my experience, because remember, as black and brown people, you're going to read that shit for so long without getting disgusted. It really, it takes you in a different space. So what I try to do to educate the black and brown community, I try to make it engaging. I try to use current topics, videos. You know, you can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Just look for Black and Brown United in Action. We even have a link tree. We fancy like that, you know. But these things are important. This is how we change this. We talk about white supremacy and shit, and as... 
Jamar, Manny, Amy, myself have all said, we actually say it as if it doesn't happen here. And it does. It happens from the streets to the jobs, to the food pantry, to the shelters, to TV, UI, the police department. I mean, Jesus Christ, the legislative office, the board of ed. Come on, man. Seriously? Really? Right? And we will have episodes coming up to really talk about what's happening with these local elections because we have some shit happening here in New Haven. That's very interesting. All right. So this was great, I think. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Come on. Yeah. The the one last thing I wanted to add is that um, for black and brown people, if you are experiencing something in your neck of the woods and you would like it discussed publicly, um, feel free to message me. I have done this for several people um, in Connecticut already. Um, I will post about it. I will gladly be the person that they take swings at. Um, but we can openly discuss uh, whatever is happening to you. Um, and you can do that through me um, and remain anonymous. Um, you can also make anonymous posts yourself. That's only seen by um, the admin. Um, and so, you know, we're more than happy to do that. So it's a safe place for people to be able to openly discuss things that are happening to them as well. Um, I just wanted to throw that in. No, listen, big shout out, big, big, big shout out for that. See, this is what I'm talking about. Y'all think when I talk about white supremacy and go on my rant, I start to cuss and all kinds of shit. Y'all pick up your Bible and try to tell me that I shouldn't say that. And you'll get uncomfortable and you try to correct me and shit. Let me tell you something. When you're really about those words, the diversity, equity, inclusivity, and belonging, you know them words y'all like to use? Confront your whiteness. It is uncomfortable, but you know what else is uncomfortable? When Manny, Jamar, and I go outside and we get stigmatized immediately. You hear that? All right. Before we close out, Jamar, give us some closing thoughts. And also, please, let people know how to find you, whatever you feel comfortable sharing, and also more about your podcast. Uh, okay. Um, yeah. Um, I, I wanted to also piggyback on search engines. Um, when when we're talking about um, Google and stuff like that, Google is good. Um, but the only issue with Google is that they will show you what they want they, they are basically being uh allowed to show by um the government it's huge research going coming out on government corruption corruption i mean even courts are tell are now using their powers to stop government uh persuading uh corporations like google um i mean mark zuckerberg himself has spoken out saying that he was going off of the tutelage of Facebook, of uh, FBI, um, being told who was to get rid of and also being told what knowledge to suppress. Um, he said that <laughs> out his mouth. Um, I was totally shocked that he was so comfortable in saying that. Um, so the Twitter files is one thing, but I want to see the Facebook files. I want to see exactly how suppressive he has been off of the tutelage of of the the feds straight up the feds are involved and these social media accounts and everything should be a public utility there shouldn't be any type of uh corruption going on within these platforms um but 
I use Brave. I use Google as well, but I also use Brave. It's a search. It's a, it's a, um, what am I thinking? It's a a, um, browser. There we go. (laughs) Words, use words, Jamar. It's a browser and they also have a search engine. And what I like about their search engine, it's, it's a different engine that is of their own. And they also let you search based off the regions. Um, you could choose countries um, as well, too. So you could get top uh, search information from whichever country you're in as well. It's, uh, it's really, really cool. Um, it gives you so many different perspectives and stuff um, also as well, too. So definitely um, check that out. DuckDuckGo. But DuckDuckGo is now switching their engine towards Google as well, too. Um, I don't know how deep they are with that, but DuckDuckGo is great as well, too. Um, also, um, I wanted to uh, to just... Uh, I'll send my link right here in the, uh, in the chat so people can check out my podcast. It's uh, music politics and culture are the conversations around and I talk to people from around the world and I occasionally I, I occasionally sometimes will have a, a a celebrity on um not like big big like a-list celebrity just people who are in the industry been on shows been on tv podcasts and stuff like that um interviewing uh Katie Chanakis uh who was on always sunny in Philadelphia one time and she's been in a few movies that's next week um, so that's the link right there I always talk about music politics culture um, I'm, I am f- fiscally sponsored by the Arts Council for this year very excited about that um, so yeah that's 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 me uh, thank you so much for let Listen, I don't know if you figured this out yet but this is going to be one of several times you go on be up here with us Right, because you can't just be one and done, Jamar. You know me. You should know me better than that. <laughs> I'm alright. <laughs> you listen when I call. That's all I'm gonna say. Or better, when I put my cap in the air, that's the signal. Yep. Right. So that's awesome. And also, if you don't mind sharing that with me on social media as well, because I'd love to post that on the Black and Brown United in Action page. This is how we reassess and retain. And reaffirm ourselves. Definitely. We are the majority. We are the majority. And it starts by us saying, you know what? I'm going to big you up. You're going to big me up. And together, we're going to be big and up. That's that. Manny, before we leave. Yeah. Um, again, I want to thank everyone for their uh, beautiful, beautiful insights and powerful insight, uh, Amy and, and Jabari. Um. Yeah, and on this episode of What Should White People Do, um, a lot of great points were delivered. Uh, like I said, uh, keep a focus uh, on local, state, and federal levels, right? That's what we're talking about. We're not just talking about the people in Washington, D.C. We're not just talking about the people in the highest seats of power. We're talking about the people who are in your own city, in your own state, and then in the country. Um, I want to remind everyone that only we and only you have the power to do what is right, to bring about change, 
to enact the changes we want to see. Uh, there are people like Jabari, amazing people like Amy, and you know, people like me and CJ who always find ourselves in trouble every now and then. <laughs> but uh, it's all good trouble. It's all good trouble. And uh, we'll always be here. I'll always be here. I know I will. Uh, I've dedicated my life already. <laughs> me. <laughs> uh, I've dedicated my life. I will dedicate my life to church girl. <laughs> CJ's a church girl, and I think I might have to renounce, announce myself as the Pope. Um, so, uh, me, CJ, and countless others will be here on the front lines fighting the good fight. Uh, I only hope to see people like Amy, people like Jabari, uh, to my right and to my left on those front lines as we tackle on the many injustices and problems that face us as a people, as a nation, and in the world. I thank you all for your solidarity and your continued support, and I will continue seeing you on the front lines. Let me tell you all something. I'm going to send you all the invoice because you all just attended the speech for the future president. I don't know if you knew that because that was like a presidential standoff right there. I don't know what to say now. Like I had a whole thing in my head. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about with Manny, man. <laughs> Y'all look, this is, we should be happy. We are happy. And I'm so glad that I have Amy and Jamar here for this because we're part of this here now. Right. You feel me? We're part of this. He going to be there. He just don't know that yet. And we're going to make sure that he gets there. Now, Let's not understate the importance of a white ally. When I wanted to do this series and I reached out to Amy, her only question was, are you going to be okay? And I said, fuck yeah, these people can't do no more, you know. And she said, I'm in. And she has nothing to gain. You know what I'm saying? She's, this is not something where she's going to run away with. No, 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 no. This is grass, grassroots, right? We're not, we're not having nobody pointing this finger. This is not Yale, right? That's over there. We over here. Are we trying to do some big things? And a big part of that is for white allies. There's different ways to be an ally. Um, Amy is showing that. I know that not everybody is comfortable with being out there for various reasons. Don't judge people, right? They might have a disability, an ailment. You know, you don't know or just not mentally well. You Don't judge them. But find a way and help them understand and, you know, allow them to ask the stupid questions in my house. There's no such thing as a stupid question to the point that I ask as many stupid questions to frustrate my children so they feel comfortable doing it too. I know it's weird. But uh, before we go, Amy. Uh, I am really thankful that you've included me in this. Um, thank you. Uh, I am really hoping that we can make some change locally and at least get um, the fires burning um, and get discussions about anti-racism really um, yeah, at the forefront. Um, and I'm hoping that more white people will realize that, yes, your town has racism. And yes, you should be doing something to help combat that. Don't fix another town. Don't worry about another town until you've addressed the shit that's going on in your own. Um, but again, thank you so much for having me here. Um, and I really appreciate all of you. Um, and 
that's it. Have a great weekend. Now, see, we know Amy going to win an award. Y'all, y'all just came, you know, Jamar came with the executive speech. Manny rolled through the presidential speech. Amy roll up here like, you know, she going to be in some stadium soon. You know, she going to be crying. We going to be like, yo, she helped me out too, man. Well, why am I supposed to say now? Like, what? <laughs> how am I supposed to close out now? <laughs> how y'all roll up here? Just, but that was great. I love it. I love it. This is how we build it, though. Have these discussions. There's no, you know, we don't always have to be angry. We could laugh. We, I laugh at myself all the time. But at the end of the day, let's think about what we're here for, right? I get the question all the time, right? Well, I don't want to over-exaggerate that term, but meaning that it, it comes to me. Like, I'll be at an event, and at least one white person will say, you know, CJ, I don't know if I handle that well. What should I do? And, you know, personally... I should not be the one telling you that, but then at the same time, I understand why you don't know, because guess what you have that I don't have, right? But for you to do that, honestly, you would have to face yourself, right? We have a lot of different things happening here, and we also have a sub-movement of white people, especially the younger white people. Let me tell you something, they're coming out in force, they're coming out in their gender. They're coming out in their truth, right? So let's figure out how we could have these conversations so that we won't always agree, but guess what? That's how the best ideas come to play, right? We won't always agree, you know? I mean, I'm pretty sure Jamar and I could get on the phone and have a very, very good battle about who's the best MC. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Right. I'm not doubting that at all. <laughs> right? I'm sure we'll go back and forth, back and forth. Then it'll go into song to song. Then it'll go into what era. I mean, why do we do that? That's, you know, that needs to be a whole other episode. You ever notice that with us? Like, why do we do that? When we started to do the MCs, it's like layers to this shit. We start with the main MCs, then we go to the years, then the categories. Like, come on now. But it's good stuff. But the point is, is that do you see how we could have this conversation about racism in a peaceful way? And come up with solutions. Amy spoke about foyers. Jamar spoke heavy on challenging, right? Like, come on, man, you could do better. And well, Manny, just trying to tell you, this is what, you know, this is what needs to happen. This is what I see. This is what I have experienced. So what do we do next? What we don't do is brush it under the rug like we have been. What we do do is look at this and say, you know, we could do better. And all of us have parts to play in this. There's stuff I need to learn. I don't know everything. You know, my head only that friggin' big, right? But at the same time, we need to learn how to support each other better. And I cannot say this enough. Black and brown people, own your feelings, please. If anybody ever tells you that you, you know, you say too much, I've had that happen to me when I express myself. I've been deemed angry and all these nice adjectives. That's very lovely, but fuck you. I'll say how I feel. Now handle that. How about that? Because you have that right. And for the white people who are learning and they're not sure, ask a question. Find out. Take that step. Like I said, there's layers to this. There are ways that you could be part of the movement and you don't have to be at the front. Right. You really shouldn't want to be. But there's different ways. Right. 
to get involved and you know now you have a resource i can't thank you enough for your continued support thank you so much for all who continue to like share subscribe you know your solidarity is greatly greatly appreciated amy manny jamar this was great and it's definitely going to happen again we have so much to talk about i don't know what you plan to do but one thing i will tell you three to do I need you to commit to 15 minutes of self-care, whatever that looked like. Go outside, stare at something, look at stupid videos on YouTube like I'm about to, laugh at yourself. I don't care, but do it because you deserve it, right? And like I said to my black and brown people, I don't give a fuck who told you otherwise. You are the majority. That's all for now. This was The Sound of Black and Brown. CJ, 